0: It's the My First Gig Podcast, whoa, sharing stories of first gigs and shows. Hello and welcome to the My First Gig podcast. My name is Dwayne Dugan. Thank you for joining me today. Come on in, sit down, relax, sit back. My guest today, I'm very excited to welcome the wonderful Catherine Bohart to My First Gig. The most recent of the gig debutantes so far. Catherine's only been doing comedy for five years but has already made a name for herself up and down the UK. Appearances on The Mash Report, 8 out of 10 cats, the ITV stand-up show, Comedy Central's Roast Battle and much more. Last week I had Laura Lex on the show and I know it might not have been as a mainstream name as some of those early episodes. But two reasons why I wanted to put that episode out. It was a great episode. Laura was so great to chat to. Real fun. Just a great example of what this story is meant to be. Going back, getting nostalgic, bringing up memories that you probably haven't had in a while, and sharing them with all of you. And number two, in the event that you haven't heard of these guests, there's a very much an emphasis on yet. You will hear of these guests soon. Let's get their story out there. Maybe this is how you discovered these acts, if you haven't already. And Catherine is no different. This was recorded at the Kilkenny Cat Laughs Festival in 2018 alongside James A. Castor, Reginald D. Hunter that are already out there and a few others yet to come. I had a very busy weekend. I think I spent three days there. forget how many interviews I recorded. But before we get into the chat, at the time of recording she was touring her show Immaculate. She's now touring her new show Lemon. It just began its UK and Ireland tour this week. And in those two years, solo let fringe shows, television appearances, festival appearances, you name it, even just last night alongside a great panel on eight out of ten cats now i didn't see it i'll watch it tomorrow tune in if you haven't it's probably on catch up i was too busy watching love island because that's what i do every night at nine o'clock now i've even gotten past the part where i'm like pretending to hate it and pretend is the key word there because once it sucks you in look you're all in it just is what it is i watched last year Got into it by the end, and then I was like, right, I've had my fix now. It's, you know, car crash TV or whatever it's meant to be. I'm not going to get into this this year. And I didn't. I don't know if I was gigging or out or whatever. I managed to avoid it for, like, the first two weeks. And now I found myself waking up after a gig. Missed the episode on it before. My girlfriend's gone to work, and usually she'll throw it on in the morning if she's working, like, in the evening. I threw it on all by myself. And only that, it wasn't on catch-up yet. So I went and I downloaded it on the internet, Connected my computer to the television and watched it that way. I went through effort to watch this. And now I know their names. I know their personalities. See, my biggest problem with it is that you can't do anything. During the last series, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, I really wanted to go see it in the cinema. I remember saying to my girlfriend, hey, do you want to go see this? She said, can't tomorrow, Love Island. What about the next day? Can't, Love Island. What about the day after that? And she's like, for the next eight weeks, we're not able to do anything and now I'm in that boat I can't do anything I'm thinking about it I'm waiting for the next episode like Saturdays are boring now the most interesting day of the week a Saturday night is now boring because I can't watch an episode of of Love Island I haven't said a phrase today that I'm not proud of but I'll stand by and I mean if you don't follow it here's the gist the couples have been separated guys in one place girls in the other And they've been introduced to new guys and girls. And then all the relationships are like real worried about what their partners are going to get up to. And there's one girl who like is really into the relationship and the guy who doesn't really treat her right. And my girlfriend said, oh, do you think she'll find someone? And I said, she won't. Even if she's too good for him, she won't do it. She's too true. Oh, God. Saying out loud makes me sad, but I can't even give out to myself because everything that you said is real there. So that's my life now. I've even turned the ringer on on my phone. Nobody's had the ringer on in fifteen years. I turned mine on, just so I can tell people I got a text. Okay, that bit didn't happen, but look, I'm I'm actually doing it right now. I'm gonna try and find that, that ringtone too. Send it on to me if you have it. Now I'm not sure this is the way Catherine wants her episode to be introduced, but this is my little ramble. Let's uh, let's let's put Love Island to a side and maybe get down to some comedy. We're gonna listen to Catherine Bohart's story of her first gig. Now, when you're listening don't have your head turned. <laughs> oh god, I hate myself. Oh, no. Look, that's the end of it, right? Cut this end of this chat. Enemy chatting. I'm never going to talk to anybody again. Certainly not you guys. Sorry for wasting your time. Right. Enough of me into the chat. My first gig podcast with Catherine Board.
1: I wouldn't even consider myself one of the Irish comedians because like you say, I I mean, I was in London what? Uh three years before I started comedy or two and a half years before I started comedy and I had never occurred to me in Ireland uh, so I've only done about four or five gigs here at all. Uh, Today will be number five and um, it's strange because well actually to be fair I should say I've had a uniquely lovely and entirely lovely experience with all Irish comics I've met. Everyone's been really nice and really welcoming but I always feel like I'm being welcomed even when I'm coming home which Mm. is interesting but it's and I, But I think Irish comics in London really help each other out and are very supportive. They've all been really nice when I've been here, so I have no complaints in that regard. But it, I would say the thing that's interesting with it is that when I'm in London, I know I get away with more because there's sort of that, there's a lovely thing about playing the Irish card. You don't have sure. to say anything, but there's a nice presumption, one that I think sometimes helps me, that you're going to be funnier than maybe you are, <laughs> or at least there's a an expectation that you will be mm. and that they, they associate the accent with storytelling and humor, which is nice and really helpful. But it does mean when I come back, I have to go, shit, is this actually funny or is it, <laughs> or am I just saying it in my twee accent and they're going, oh, yeah, that's so funny. So um, it's always good to come back and check.
0: I did notice coming back after doing a the year there that all of my material was, hey, I'm Irish in England. Mm hmm. And then doing that to Irish people, not in England. Couldn't give a shite. Oh, it was, yeah. Yeah. A year a year out the window.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't say, I wouldn't say all my material is I'm Irish in England, but it, what it does mean is like, there's things, loads of things I take for, I would have taken for granted that we understand like diocese, convents, transubstantiation. I can say those words in Ireland and people go, yep. Whereas in London I have to explain them and so I've found loads of humour in trying to fig- figure out how to do that but then when I come back I have to remember that I don't need to do the long form I can just shorthand it because people know what I'm talking about and they don't need it explained do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, I get you, yeah
1: So that's that's definitely a difference um, and also just learning to like Speak in a way that everybody understands, as in slow the hell down when I'm in the UK so that they know what I'm talking about.
0: So you can fit probably about 20 minutes more material into your stuff today. Oh yeah, like my 20 minutes
1: in London is five in Dublin. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I was just reading at the time of recording, you just won a bursary this week.
1: Yes, the 99 Club in London do this bursary for female and non-binary acts who are taking their first show to Edinburgh. And so um, I was one of the two Winners of that, which is really nice. Very nice, um, yes. And my girlfriend was the other winner, so it was a win for the house. Very good. <laughs> a win for the parish, as it were. But yeah, so that was nice. And um, the 99 Club are, I, I think they're the only club that do anything like it. it supposed really nice of them.
0: So that's going to go towards the show this yes. year. Yes. Immaculate. Yes. And Which you're performing in Kilkenny this weekend.
1: Yes, I am. Well, I'm performing a, an embryonic version of it, shall we say. Sure. Yes. Yeah.
0: Are you excited for the first show?
1: I'm so excited because I've never been here. Kilkenny, that is. And um I mean, I've been here because I you used to have to drive through here to get anywhere. <laughs> uh So I've been here, but I uh i have not done a show here. So I'm really excited.
0: If, I want to go back and before we talk about your first gig, do you have any memory of what your first memory of comedy is?
1: Yeah. Yes. I have like quite a distinct memory of my, I mean, maybe not like, as in like, the first things that spring to mind are obviously, and I w- we didn't get cable television until I was eighteen. Cruel, cruel parents. And um, my brother and sister are younger than I, so they got it much <laughs> earlier than I did. I'm still fucking livid about it. Am I allowed to curse? I've cursed. What we? What can we do? Um. So I obviously remember watching Father Ted. I think everyone does. But earlier than that, I think. There there was a definitely a time in my life where I thought the three comics who existed were Tommy Tiernan, Dylan Moran, and Joan Rivers, because she used to be on TG Caher. I don't know if you remember this. No, no. They all. used to dub her sometimes, but if you sat close enough, you could still hear her in her Americanism.
0: You had to kind of like yeah, bypass the Irish. Yeah, it was, was rubbish.
1: It was like they used to do it with them. They used to get really weird American stuff. like They used to get the OC, and before that, they used to get Survivor. But so anyway, that's how I saw Joan Rivers and... She, Dylan Moran and Tommy Turner were the, I had Tommy Turner on DVD and Dylan Moran on DVD and that, that was my, those were the comics I thought were, you know, were alive. <laughs> sure.
0: Do you think it helped seeing a female doing this? Because I think especially, you know, 10, yeah. 15 years ago, not that a lot of people would see that. Yeah. Uh, It could be kind of almost feel like a closed door or something. Not even a closed door. There wasn't even a door, almost.
1: Well, I'm quite conscious that I grew up in like almost a comedy saturated time when I was a teenager, at least. Like, as in, that's when you had Mock the Week and you had Live at the Apollo and you had. So I'm conscious that I actually did get to see, not enough, but obviously loads more women than people even a couple of years before. Like, I saw, you know, like Eva Vidal and Catherine Ryan and Joe Brand and loads of people. But yeah, I think. It is important that I saw Joan Rivers so early beca- because of the type of comedy she does, which is such high status. Like, I can say whatever the hell I want. And I'm not that kind of comic. I am quite high status, but I don't think I can say whatever I want. But I think it was cool to see a woman who was that brash um, and quite aggressive um, in a good way, not in a hopefully not in a gendered way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and seeing Dylan and Tommy, I think, it was really good. I mean I say it like I know them. I haven't I've never met them. Um because they're both so um verbose mm. and so unapologetic for their like incredible sort of linguistic acrobats. Yeah. So, acrobatics. Um so grandiose. Yeah. yeah, really grandiose and really like dark and um have totally different pacing but I mean, I say all this. I didn't know I was watching it like and imbibing it at the time. Sure. But I loved it.
0: What was your first uh, experience of live comedy? Actually, going and seeing this? Do you know?
1: That's really bad. I don't know. Can I think of any? I didn't see much live comedy at all. I no. My earliest memory is in university, which is sure. really bad. So like, I was maybe. 1920 and I went to um, the international but I was sat near the back and really drunk sure. so I can't say it was a seminal moment in my, <laughs> <laughs> in my com- comedy development it was just a oh look sure there's someone up there what else can I do you'll drink, never please? pass
0: there going this is where it all began
1: no absolutely
0: not <laughs> where, yeah. what was university where where was that
1: I well I did law for a year in UCD and dropped out and then I did history and French in Trinity
0: Two very distinct differences there, like.
1: yeah, I didn't want to do either to be honest with you, <laughs> but I had to finish, so I did.
0: So, what brought you to London?
1: I went to do a masters in acting for screen at Central. Um, oh,
0: that's yeah, my girlfriend. That's where she went last year. Yeah. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah, so I went there, and then because I'd done while I was at university to get through the old history degree, I did two years at the Gaiety at night. Um, Because that's what I thought I wanted to do. I wanted to be a star. Uh, Well, I wanted to be an actor. And then it turns out they're not the same thing. (laughs) And um, then I ended up in Central for the year.
0: So you obviously had some aspirations to perform in some way.
1: Yeah, I think... I don't know why that was the case. Like, nothing was... No one in my family is that way inclined. And it wasn't like I was particularly gifted as an actor. I just had decided early on that's what I wanted to do and was sort of uh, staunch about it. Now I'm much more flexible, which is nice.
0: (laughs) So, obviously, going to college, studying different things, but eventually, where did thinking, right, I want to try stand-up come from?
1: Never occurred to me. I um, wasn't getting any work as an actor. Surprise! Um, Turns out, ginger and very freckled and, of average, talent is a tough sell. And so I was temping in a property management department in a huge property firm in London and I was doing uh, like marketing and so they had me run a marketing event which is basically for women in property. This is a dull as dishwater story. I'm sorry, it'll get into, maybe it won't. It'll conclude shortly. <laughs> and um, I was there and they said, can you run this women in property event? Last year we did manicures and cocktails. And I was like, excuse me? That is a really... Outdated understanding of what women want Especially women who work in property How dare you be so absurdly binary I'm going to do something else And so I got funny women I googled funny women Because I was going to put on my own comedy night Turns out they're a company and I got. Oh, them.
0: you literally Googled funny women. I,
1: I Googled funny women because <laughs> I was like, come on, we could do better than There'll that.
0: There'll be a database somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there's
1: got to be a list online, right? Um, and then I found Funny Women, the company, and I had them come in to run an event, as in run a comedy night for us. Um, and I don't know what it was in that, maybe in part of the organization of it, and the fact that they were very, like, you're a gobby, you should do some comedy, that got me to. Um, now, I I don't do things without studying because I'm uh, so I wasn't like yeah I'll just go gig. I instead took two comedy courses and then did a gig, <laughs> yeah, cause I'm a nerd like that.
0: Where were the courses? Both in London.
1: Both in London. First one, I'll be honest with you, I booked into the wrong course. It was writing for sitcoms, <laughs> and it was not what I meant to do. But I finished it, and then uh then I did a stand up course given by Logan Murray. Who writes The books, is that yeah, yeah. Yeah, he writes the books on how to be a startup comedian. And uh The banana books. Exactly, the banana books is right. And uh so I did his course and then I did my first gig. Where was that? Well, it depends on what you count as technically my first gig. So you do a showcase the at the end of the yeah. which I wouldn't say was my first A lot of people gig. don't want to count that. No, I don't. And then my actual first gig was at Comedy Virgins in Stockwell in London. Cavendish. Exactly. Uh yeah. So that was my first one.
0: So you did the graduation? Yeah. And you, you wanted to do it again, I assume. Yes. And you found Comedy Virgins.
1: And then I found comedy Did you versions. you literally
0: Google comedy versions as well? I, didn't <laughs> <laughs>
1: I watch really unimaginative porn. No, um, I basically, somebody in the course had already signed up to do it. And they were like, if you come, you can just put your name on the list. So I didn't even book in. I just went to see if I could get my name on the list. And um, it was very presumptive that I would because I brought people to support me. So um, You have to, don't you? Yeah. yeah, you do. You have to bring somebody. Um, so yeah, that was my first gig and that's how I came be
0: That can be quite daunting. Like Comedy Virgins, what they do is they have it's about 20 acts. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you when you're on. No, it's they horrible. They'll tell you your name and you have to go, yep. oh, I'm ready now.
1: Yeah. Which just means you stay on edge for three hours. It's Which so tense. Which can be
0: good, but also can be probably self-destructive a little bit.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's good. I think it's anxiety
0: disorder making. Right. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. So the comedy course has obviously helped you with writing, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think... Because it must be hard to write having, I guess, never done it before for stand-up.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the comedy course mainly just gave me the ego I needed to get on stage. I think I thought I'd be fine with what to say. I just didn't think I had the guts to get up there. And Logan has this really lovely sort of um, effervescent, kind of infectious... Silliness that makes you think that you can make anybody laugh, even when you probably can't. So he's, yeah, I think he just gave me some confidence. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. First gig now. Do you remember anybody else on the show?
1: Um, yes. yeah. you still see around Yep. Um, Ross Smith, who's also debuting this year, was on um i remember because he borrowed one of my friends as a plus one because it was like his 30th gig and he was like my friends are sick of coming please can you um which is what we all do he hosted there yeah yeah which is what we all do isn't it when you're like you run out of friends who are willing to see you say the same thing again and again and was do i remember anybody else i don't remember any of the other 20 who were. oh maybe bob monroe um, yeah, I can't remember who else was on.
0: Did you... Obviously, you brought people, I was going to say, because sometimes people will do their first gigs almost kind of privately, secretly. Yeah. And then unveil it once they're comfortable enough. But you, you, you told people at the start, brought them along.
1: I made the complete opposite mistake. <laughs> but actually, it was kind of, well... I brought loads of people, especially from work, because that's where I, it had kind of the idea had come from. And sure. so they, I was in work with some really nice girls and they would come to loads of my shows at the start. I don't know how they had the patience for it. um, And they, although I think the fact that I bought bottles of wine for them as they were <laughs> there, it, it really helped. But um, what it did was, it was so nice and supportive for me, but it also meant that in the first five or six goes that I had, I had an undue idea of how funny i was because i was like oh my god people are loving it now had i listened back to any of the recordings i'd have realized it was just my friends but that's fine it gave me enough of a boost to be like i should really do something with this uh and then when they stopped coming i realized it's actually a lot harder than it
0: <laughs> looks it's nice to have that cushion i top of the graduation gig so your first actual taste of getting up there telling mm-hmm. jokes mm-hmm. do you remember what was going through your head before you went on stage, like if the MC goes up, you know you're next, and you're you're going right. This is it.
1: Yeah, I was on first. Um,
0: certainly those early years first can be mm-hmm. terrifying, really hard. To people.
1: Yeah, I remember, like I was, f- I still get quite physically nervous. Um, I get really, I feel really sick, and I uh, there's not there's still not really been a gig yet, and I'm three and a bit years into it where. There isn't for the five minutes before the show starts, or before I'm supposed to go on stage where I'm not thinking about ways I could accidentally injure myself (laughs) or what would happen if I just ran away. Um so it was a lot of that, but for longer than five minutes, probably like five hours before I thought, well, if I could hurt myself, not die or anything, but just hurt myself enough that I don't have to go, would not be a treat. Um, so that was mainly what I was thinking. Um, and I was thinking, also just like, could I remember it? Could I last the time? Um, was anybody going to laugh? Obviously, it was a big concern. Um, yeah, there was a lot of panic. A lot of panic.
0: Do you remember your opening joke that day?
1: Yeah. I used to do... Oh, maybe I didn't do that at the start. No, I didn't do that at the start. What did I used to do when I got on stage? Oh, man. Oh, I think I used to do this bit about my skirt. I used to... Oh, and that's right, because I used to do this bit about how you could see my coach. I mean, it was a really bad joke, but it was like... I'd ask the front row, could they see my coach because I was wearing one of those dresses you know where you leave the house and it's at your knees, and then by the time you get anywhere, it's sort of a boob curtain, sure, so I do that, but when he got to the venue, I realized there wasn't a stage, so they wouldn't be able to see it and nor can they by the way when there's, when it's on a stage, it's more of a it's for i don't walk around <laughs> with my with my skirt up um but there wasn't even the suggestion that they might, and I still did the joke. <laughs> because I was intractable uh and cuz I had nothing else so I was uh, doomed if I didn't and doomed if I did yeah that's what I did oh how cringe <laughs> what a nightmare that's yeah how it, that's
0: that, that joke is how it all started
1: that's how it all started oh god that's so bad yeah that's what I did there was no stage and I still asked <laughs> it
0: <sighs> how, how did that first gig go how, like how did you feel afterwards and
1: it went quite well it went quite well Everyone in the room was really supportive and also they hadn't run out of steam laughing at things that were only half baked because I was on first, so that was good. Um mainly I just felt so much adrenaline. L- like I found comedy really addictive at the mm. start. Like had to do it as much as I possibly could, wanted to see it all the time. Yeah, I just I was excited.
0: You say that now three three and a bit years in, did you still get those nerves? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a, I think that's a positive thing. Yeah, do I do. Yeah.
1: I get a bit weirded out when I, like I in, they're horrible and they mean that you can't really stay calm or eat much beforehand and you're a bit of a pain in the arse for the 20 minutes before your show. But at the same time, when I don't feel anything before a show, I go, uh, uh, oh, what am I go- what do I, What? Am, what's happening? What's wrong? Um. So I like to up the stakes a bit for a gig. So if like th- if re- usually if I don't feel anything, it means I'm not scared for any reason. So I'll try to put something new in or change the order just so that I'm back slightly tense about whether or not I'll remember everything. Because you
0: can be too relaxed.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And when I'm too relaxed, I'm so bad at responding. I'm, uh, if I'm sluggish to respond then that's usually a sign that I wasn't I didn't have my head in the game Uh, to like things in the room or heckles or whatever yeah
0: do you remember how you closed your set now or how how it kind of wrapped up maybe one of those early closing jokes
1: what did I used to say oh I used to do loads of stuff about working in an office and then I quit my job like three months in so um did I what did I used to finish on I don't even remember. Isn't that so bad? No,
0: it's. I think, yeah, certainly in those early days, people go through so much material that kind of... Yeah, you do, not It's don't so far you? away now as well. Yeah. In you terms of, like, so stage You write so much time.
1: at the start. Uh, if you could do that... If you could keep writing that much but increase the quality, <laughs> man, life would be a breeze. Um. Oh, I think I used to do something about how... About how I wouldn't get cast... I never got cast in anything unless I was cast like what do they cast redheads as and basically the punchline was it's literally it's always the prostitute um i imagine i thought that was funny at the time <laughs> and now i know better and that's okay
0: <laughs> You learned when you did that first gig that graduation gig and then obviously you went out and did the, the comedy Virgin show mm. did you was it like straight away that you were like right i want to keep doing this or was it a tick i've done this
1: oh, no, it wasn't tick, I've done it, because I didn't want to do it, as as it were. Like, I wasn't, like, dying to get it off my bucket list or anything. So it was very much like, oh, this is interesting, and I like how it feels, and I really enjoy writing, and I hated my job at the time, so it was something I could think about all the time that were a place where my brain could go. And also, I think because I wasn't naturally, I wasn't immediately... Br- I was quite good for a new com for a new act, but that doesn't really mean anything. That's like, I could I could talk for the time, right? But I wasn't as good as I wanted to be naturally, and that I found what is what made me keep going back because I was like, oh, I want to be better at this. How do you get better at this? What? How do you? And then I was just kind of also quite lucky, like things sort of snowballed quite quickly for me. Like gigs led to gigs led to gigs led to competitions led to um. So I. I was quite fortunate in that sense. Um, but no, I just loved doing it. And what I noticed very early on was that the biggest laughs I tended to get, which is, I think, indicative of how bad my material was, the biggest laughs I got used to be on things I would ad-lib. Um, and so then I was like, oh, okay, how do I figure that out? Which I've still only, I'm have still i still kind of figuring out, which is that I'm not a sit-down-and-type-it-out kind of sure. writer. As in I am, but I work better... And I'm a better writer when I think about ideas and then say them on stage and then write it rather yeah. than the other way around. Um, which is much well, it's quite scary, but is for me the best way to write.
0: I, I'd agree. My issue is is that you go right before I write it down, I'm gonna go try that. Mm-hmm. And then you lose it mm-hmm. before you get to the stage. Mm-hmm. What would you do to combat that?
1: I tend to tell stories. So well, stories ish. Um so what I'll, tr- the reason I don't write it down word for word is so that I don't have like, oh my God, I've forgotten exactly what's happened. It's usually born of truth. So I'll try to go to myself, okay, why did I think this was worth telling in the first place? And then start there on stage. But I'm i am actually quite comfortable talking, even if I don't know exactly what I'm going to say on stage, provided that is that it's the right gig. So I'd say the reason that doesn't happen to me so much is that I never really try stuff try like brand new stuff mm. where the stakes are high at a gig like I wouldn't sure, go yeah. to a club and do where I'm getting paid and do loads of new of course yeah so I think being comfortable that there's nothing to lose and reminding myself that I can chat and it'll be fine is the best way <laughs> or trying to remind myself why I thought it was a good idea in the first place Sometimes I totally check it out and just go back to old material, but don't we all?
0: <laughs> do you think that you know straight acting and kind of a drama, a bit of a background, do you think that helped you when you started out?
1: Um, I don't know. I know a lot of comics don't like actors who become comedians because there's a tendency to overperform, um, and I don't know that it did help me. Except that I loved comedy because I could do it. Like unlike acting, I wasn't waiting for anybody to book me, and I could just book gigs, and I didn't have to so I loved I really enjoyed it because I was like we could just we could just do this, we could just do this whenever, so I think it really helped my enthusiasm, my love for it um I'd say if anything informed my comedy, though it would be less my acting background and more um I debated at university okay and school, so I debated competitively for mm, eight years and i'd say that informs my comedy more than my acting
0: always been on the front foot kind of a thing
1: yeah i'm being quite like a little bit patronizing (laughs) and a little bit combative and also it did give me the confidence and the surety that i could talk about anything like when you've defended anything and everything that you've been given to defend with 15 minutes notice you're like i'll figure out something to say um so i think that
0: helped as you said you didn't you know, you weren't longing to do this, you kinda stumbled in to fill fill a void that was there. But at what point did you realise right now this is the lane I'm actually in now?
1: I think when I made the Well, I did a two-hander in a couple of years ago in Edinburgh, two years ago. And so starting to get ready for that, I was like, Oh, this is exciting. I like writing with a purpose. And then that same summer I made the BBC Comedy Awards final and the Funny Women Final. And then I was like Huh, okay, so I'm not I'm okay at this. I mean I was still only like being best of newbies is not necessarily like mean doesn't mean you're necessarily good enough to but it but I was kind of feeling more confident about it. And then I just and I was just naturally better at comedy than I'd ever been at acting. Um and I think that made me go, Oh, okay, maybe this is and then I got signed and I think that was when I was like I mean I still Every time my agent calls me, I'm like, oh my God, she's going to drop me. This is the one. This is the moment. Um, My agent's very lovely and I hope would never do that. But uh, yeah, I think when I got signed, that was when I was like, oh, I can make this my job.
0: If you could go back right before your first gig, Mm. you know you're next. You know your DMC is about to call your name. Mm. But you can pull yourself aside now and just give yourself a bit of advice. Looking back now, what would you say, do you think?
1: Have fun. Have so much fun. This, like if comedy started stopped tomorrow, I would be really glad I did it because I've had the best fun, the most fun and figured out a lot about my uh, <laughs> own mind and my capacity to kind of push through fear. But I think I would just say, have fun. It's just a laugh. You're just telling jokes. I think it's so easy to overthink it. And I do overthink it. Don't Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Big overthinker. Are
0: you sure?
1: Um oh God, you've caught me in your trap. <laughs> um I think I'd say have fun And also I would say I would remind myself to ask what the worst thing that could happen is. Because that's the best thing about comedy is you you volunteer to fail. Like you can't try new material or get on stage and have everyone like you every time without failing some of the time. Right? Sure. Like, it's just it's just a necessary part of the process and um so that makes you used to it and also makes you kind of impenetrable to it you're like I guess you're bad at this and you're like no I just like everybody you have a bad day at work but also with this one you kind of have to like you have to go out and say bunch of stuff people don't like and you can't be everyone's cup of tea even when you're brilliant like the best comics I've ever seen I know five people who'd go what they're dog shit what are you talking about and you're like what i'm pretty sure last time i saw them i saw history in the making what do you, so it's subjective um in a great way so yeah i think i, I like to think i'd just say have fun
0: Catherine. thanks for talking about your first week thanks for having me there we go that's all we got that's it that's the end of this week's episode no we want more oh well if you want more tune in next wednesday another fantastic guest Guys, if you enjoyed that, if you enjoyed Catherine and would like to see her, now is the time. She's on a UK tour, just kicked off this week. If you're very quick, you can see her tonight in Leicester and then she's going through a ton of towns. Oh look, we'll read them all. Leicester, Bristol, Brighton, Northampton, Manchester, Bath, Crawley, Leeds, Milton Keynes, Reading, Margate, Nottingham, Oxford, Birmingham, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, Glasgow and Belfast. And if you're here in Ireland, let's give these ones a little special plug. March 5th, Comedy Cavern in Cork. March 6th, my very own Whelan's in Dublin. March 7th, the Dracht Theatre in Town. Head on over to CatherineBohart.com for tickets. Make sure to follow her online, Twitter and Instagram, at CatherineBohart or at Catherine Bohart Comedy on Facebook. As always, if you've enjoyed the episodes, please, please, please tell people, but please tell me even more. Tell me on Instagram, tell me on Twitter, tell me on Facebook. Tell me however you please, just let it be known we're collecting some really good chats here and we just want people to hear them. If you enjoyed it, tell people you enjoyed it. Subscribe to get episodes first. Follow at my first gig pod across all social media to see next week's episode before anybody else. And look if my rambles didn't turn you off, then follow me at Dwayne Dugan or come if you're in Dublin, see me at Cherry Comley in Wheelands. I'm going to keep it short this week. I did manage to do this bit a little bit earlier. It was like 20 to 6 last week it's just 20 past 2 this time so slowly but surely I'll actually have an episode edited before midnight but not tonight it is now Wednesday I'm gonna go to bed when I wake up I'll go read all of your messages thanks so much for tuning in to my first Gate podcast my name has been Dwayne Dugan and I will see you next week unless of course you're gonna go back and listen to an old episode now all episodes at myfirstgatepod.com. see you sooner rather later that's unthreatening. i going to go now. Bye. It's... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site
0: for details. It's the My First geek Podcast one.